Hey everybody, welcome back to Highest Aspirations. I'm your host, Steve Sophronis. How are districts assessing criteria to achieve the seal of biliteracy? What supports are available for teachers with diverse groups of language learners? How can the seal of biliteracy mitigate larger issues like home language loss and equity in education? We discuss these topics and much more in part two of our two-part series on the seal of biliteracy with Martha Hernandez of Californians Together. If you listen to part one, you know that Martha is both well-versed and passionate about the history, current state, and future of the seal of biliteracy and its impact on language learners of all types. Let's dive right into part two. I want to shift gears a little bit and kind of go back to the, the seal. We talked about the pathways, um, but what, like, what qualifications does a, a student need to earn and, and how are they assessed when to actually have this thing in your hand and to walk away and to say to, um, you know, a, a university or, or a, a potential employer, I have this seal. What does a student need to prove to get that? Well, our criteria recently changed, but um, of course it includes English proficiency. And so uh, in California, that means that a student needs to complete uh, all of the English language arts requirements for graduation with an overall grade point average of 2.0 or better. They also have to pass at uh, a proficiency level. Um, For us, it means at or above standard met on the California um, assessment. And this is the California assessment of um, student performance and progress for English language arts. And that is given in grade 11. And then in addition for English learners who have not yet reclassified, they need to attain a level demonstrating English language proficiency on California's English language proficiency assessment which is called the English Language Proficiency Assessment for California, the LPAC. Mm -hmm. And um, so they have that additional. Then students have to demonstrate, of course, a proficiency in one or more languages other than English. So a student may pass a World Language Advanced Placement Examination, which includes American Sign Language, of course, with a score of three or higher. They could pass an international baccalaureate examination with a score of four or higher. They might successfully uh, complete a fourth year of world language, attaining an average grade point of 3.0 or above in that course of study. And something that is new on this year is that they must also uh, demonstrate oral proficiency in the language comparable to that required to pass the AP or the IB examination. So that's for students who are taking uh, four years of a world language. And so um, we um, take that into consideration. And also students could take the SAT two. Uh-huh. The scholastic assessment test yep. in what language it is, and um, they will uh, need to score um, 600 or higher. Now, we also, as you know, have languages that are not necessarily characterized by listening, speaking, or reading, or for which there's no um, written system 
at the proficient level or higher. So, um, yeah. And so we have quite a few indigenous languages and other languages. So they um, can pass an assessment that um, fits their needs. Um, And so the state superintendent of public instruction can also, um, you know, approve a language examination in which an AP exam or off the shelf uh, examination exists, but um, certification to the state superintendent um, regarding local exams is uh, the way that California is addressing the assessment for those types of languages. Great. Now, you know, you kind of answered a couple of my questions as I went through, and I'll just kind of uh, uh, debrief a little bit. You know, the idea that there are that every language isn't represented in sort of a standardized test is a key issue, and I think you addressed that. And then the other thing that I wanted to mention is this is a this is pretty rigorous. I mean, as a as a former AP Spanish language and AP Spanish uh, literature uh, teacher, I, those tests they're they're not easy. I mean, they're difficult, and as exams go. Um, they they generally do a pretty good job of assessing um, proficiency um, in a language. So I'm just really impressed uh, at the level of rigor coupled with the number of students. Well, I guess I would say the level of rigor and also the, the level of accessibility, that it's certainly not an impossible feat if it's something that you're looking to do, um, but it's going to take you through a rigorous rigorous curriculum that is certainly going to expand your horizons and, and, and allow you to learn a language um, pretty well. Yes, yes. And I have to say that, you know, the oral proficiency for those students who are completing four years of uh, world language, you know, we do have um, districts who are grappling with that, you know, do they get assessors? You know, how do they pay for the assessors? Should it just be part of the curriculum? And, you know, is part of the world language standards um, that teachers need to address? Could this be an assignment um, that students pass and there's a certain rubric? So at this time, we're grappling with that, but um, a lot of our districts are coming up with some pretty um, creative ways to um, address that oral proficiency issue. Yeah, so you're talking about, um, you know, dealing with some of the challenges. And of course, with any initiative like this, there are challenges. And that kind of leads me to the question of, you know, what, what supports do teachers need to help students in these programs? I mean, th- there's a wide group of student populations. In my case, it was relatively easy because we had a relatively homogenous group and they all kind of had the basic, the same basic needs. But what do you, what, what do te- teachers need to kind of support students in more um, diverse areas where students are coming with a wide variety of skills? Well, what we're finding here in California now that uh, biliteracy programs are beginning to grow is that we need to retool our teachers. Many of our teachers were bilingual teachers in the past, and uh, because of Proposition 227, they were in um, English-only classrooms for many years. And now the strategies um, that are implemented in um, highly effective dual language programs are somewhat different than they were in the past. So we need to retool our our teachers. So we need training, they need training specific to the implementation and maintenance of biliteracy programs. And we need professional development in the target languages. 
Um, and so um, we also uh, think that teachers need collaboration time. And so Amen to that. Yes, um, we need professional learning communities for, for teachers. And so uh, we need to figure out ways to support that uh, because that's how teachers really um, learn and really they just get better at addressing the needs of their students when they work together. And then we're looking also at instructional coaches that have just demonstrated expertise and experiences that can really give, um, you know, job embedded assistance to, to teachers. And of course, we need standards based instructional materials in target languages. And so um, that is going to really help um, teachers. And then teachers who are coming out of an English-only program, um, they need support because they have to develop all of their materials in a different language. And so um, that can be pretty daunting uh, for, for teachers um, and maybe a barrier to having teachers go from an English-only classroom to a dual language or biliteracy program mm -hmm. because of the additional work so we need to support them in, in, in multiple ways yeah of course and you know it strikes me that as you're as you were talking about all those ways we need to support our teachers it's not very different than some of the podcast episodes we did um, in season one about professional development for teachers of english language learners professional development for the math teacher who has been working in a school district for 25 years and this year has his first handful of English language learners. How do you support that teacher? So it's not like the seal of biliteracy is creating these new challenges, but rather hopefully putting a spotlight and a focus on challenges that have existed for a long time now. Um, so I think that's another way uh, that we can hopefully get at this important professional development. Let's shift a little bit to, to families. You mentioned something that I, I, I said people, I feel like people don't know a whole lot about this, and that's the issue of um, of language loss um, in families, you alluded to a little bit that some parents, you know, can't even communicate with their uh, with their children anymore because of this language loss. So I guess my question is kind of um, twofold. One, how are families reacting to the seal and the programs it's helping to create, and what do you think it's doing, or hopefully will do, um, in the face of this sort of you you called it a devastating issue of of language loss. Yes, I've talked to uh, many site administrators, principals who say that even by um, second grade, um, children are no longer able to communicate with their parents in, in you know, the home wow. language. And so what happens is, is that, you know, there needs to be kind of a translator. And, um, and so uh, this is very devastating because uh, the parent no longer has this uh, bond um, to, to their child. They can't discipline. They can't love their child the way that, you know, parents do. Um, and so um, it causes quite a few Quite a few problems. And part of the issue is um, that um, children do not um, see the, that their home language really has status when they go to school. Uh -huh. and so it, it, it really is up to us to elevate the status of a child's home language. That's why we're so, so happy with our new English learner policy that's very assets-based that really sees uh, a child's home language as, as an asset, as a gift that a child brings to school. And so we need to do things to help signal the value of my 
literacy um, to the parent. And um, we need to get um, teachers because a lot of teachers still feel like they do not have permission to even use the home language to help um, student, the student bridge um, to new learning in the classroom. That's a and, great point. Yeah. And so, um, you know, children, you know, just need to know that they can use their home language, even if they're not in a biliteracy program, that it can be used, you know, cognates can be highlighted, um, you know, to help the child learn um, the concepts and um, the standards while at the same time learning English. So um, I think um, heritage language programs do a good job. These are sometimes after school programs that you know uh, continue to immerse the student in their home language and help them to see the value and help to nourish that language and to continue that language. Because once that language is um, gone, you know, the, the there's so much that is broken. It, it actually breaks the family. And uh, then you see other issues with self-esteem, yeah. the issues with self-confidence, the student's efficacy to learn is uh, minimized and it just creates such, such a problem. And then what um, happens is that these students go to high school and then they're told they need to take um, a world language requirement and here they had this gift and they lost it and it's so hard for them either because they're embarrassed that they lost their language or sure. you know uh, and you know this has happened to some my, my family members I'm the oldest of nine so my younger brothers and sisters their language um, is not that good and I remember um, a television reporter from one of the Spanish um, you know stations came up to my sister to interview her but she really couldn't communicate in Spanish. And so they went to another student, um, you know, to kind of conduct the interview and she kind of felt embarrassed. So mm -hmm. these students mm -hmm. become embarrassed um, at the beginning of their educational career and then they're embarrassed at the end of their, um, you know, education, you know, when they're in high school and here they are now in Spanish one or two. Yeah. Like they, sh they should know the language. Right. And um, so it's devastating. And then they don't qualify for the state seal of biliteracy. And so right. here they had a gift and they lost it. It's such a great loss, a great loss to California, to that family, to that community. Yeah. You know, you really, I won't debrief it too much because I think you put it um, in a very eloquent way and described the loss. But I will say that it's something I experienced as a teacher um, you know, working with students who had had that language loss and came back and here they are taking Spanish two in a class of kind of half heritage speakers and half um, speakers uh, who were learning Spanish for the first time. And yeah, the embarrassment, I mean, it was palpable. And think of somebody who's a freshman or a sophomore in high school, it's difficult enough. Um, and then you have to deal with this language loss. And I, I mean, I looked at it from that perspective as a teacher, but I do, I readily admit that like, I, I, I didn't, see it from the lens that you're describing it, where it's actually something that um, is having an impact on families. And when you have an impact on family, when a child can't communicate with a parent, that is an impact inherently uh, on, on society. I mean, that's just kind of how, um, how those things manifest themselves. So I'm glad, I'm glad we brought that up. Um, 
as we as we begin to wrap up here, uh, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about, and again, like we've talked a lot about California today, and hopefully folks that are not from California are kind of following along and understanding some of the jargon. But California um, has a district dashboard um, that, that basically kind of measures, um, I want to let you describe it a little bit more, but basically the seal of biliteracy is now a part of that district dashboard as a college and career indicator. I'm curious as to how you see this seal of biliteracy and the fact that it's on the dashboard as helping districts to support increasingly diverse student populations. Right. So, yes, we have a dashboard and that's the accountability system in California. And so there are a variety of indicators. You know, you have the suspension rate, you know, indicator, the graduation rate indicator, an academic indicator, um, which targets um, English language arts and math. And you have the college and career indicator. And so beginning this year, districts may choose to use their um, seal of biliteracy data as one of their college and career indicators, which is just so amazing. So in California, college or career readiness means completing rigorous coursework, and we call it A through G, passing challenging exams like the AP exams and the IB or receiving a state seal. So Mm -hmm. we are so excited about this um, because this is now motivating those districts that do not offer a state seal of biliteracy an extra incentive to actually implement um, the program. So um, our organization is targeting these districts and offering technical assistance to help them develop their program, which in essence will help the district in terms of the accountability system, but also benefit their students so that their students qualify um, for the state seal. And there are many more students um, becoming bilingual. Right. Yes. So we're very excited about that. Yeah. I mean, it's just another way, again, to kind of backwards plan, for lack of a better term. If you have this thing in place, um, it's going to help you with your dashboard and with all of your indicators. And then you're going to build the programs and eventually um, better serve the students. So I think it's another element um, that was worth mentioning. Correct. So two more questions um, that I like to wrap up with sort of everybody that comes on to Highest Aspirations. The first one is um, I like to ask folks if there is a book or any other resource that's had an important influence on you either personally or professionally. And I have a growing book collection um, because of because of the question that I ask and hopefully listeners do too. So would you recommend something to uh, to listeners? I would. Um, I really um, like the um, book titled By Literacy from the Start by Dr. Kathy Escamilla and her team at the Bueno Center in Boulder, Colorado. And this is really looking at um, dual language learning. And it is, I think, a great resource for anyone who is implementing or looking at refining their programs. Also, of course, you know, a document that is just near and dear to dual language educators is the Guiding Principles for Dual Language Education, uh, which is, of course, offered through the Center of Applied Linguistics. And this is just an amazing resource, and it was um, revised and refined, and so they came out with a, a 
version, another edition in 2017. And it's just really um, helps districts develop and sustain their dual language instructional programs. And just in terms of, I guess, research, I think that it's important to refer to the 2017 National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. Um, they had a report um, titled Promoting the Educational Success of Children and Youth Learning English, Promising Futures. And it really identifies effective practices and recommends steps um, okay. to support high quality programs. And of course, um, you know, um, I mean, there's so many, so so much more, but I think um, those right now are um, resources that I'm really referring to, and I think they're great um, to um, help districts with their programs. Great, and obviously very apropos to our conversation. So I appreciate those, and we will put all of those uh, on the website so folks can find them as well. So, the last question and an important one: you all are doing amazing work at Californians Together. Uh, you have been for a while now. So how can people find out more about um, your organization or the Seal of Biliteracy um, specifically? Well, of course, you know, um, going to our website, Californians Together website is a good place to get information about not just the Seal of Biliteracy, but also Pathways to Biliteracy. We have a multilingual pathways uh, publication that I think uh, could be helpful to districts who are looking to build these coherent articulated uh, pathways to biliteracy. And um, of course, um, also the California Association for Bilingual Education, they really have uh, quite a few um, resources on the development and implementation of dual language immersion programs, mm -hmm. and they include research and step-by-step -step guides. And I do have to say, that I'm just very proud of our California Department of Education because they have a website on the Seal of Biliteracy and they've recently um, really um, refined it and um, they have um, a webinar, they have frequently asked questions, they do have resources, but they also have a multilingual programs webpage. And so um, they have parent resources, a parent guide to multilingual programs. So I'm very proud of um, our um, Department of Education for um, up. I guess, for revising and just really being um, cutting edge in terms of the resources that they're providing to districts. So um, I think those are the ones. Of course, we, there's the seal of biliteracy.org and that has blogs and other um, information that might be helpful uh, to, to um, districts and states. So we're Great. hoping to increase the number of states that um, have adopted legislation. And so we're, we're working on um, 36 and 37. And so um, we're looking forward to this. And of course, uh, Julia Brownlee, our Congresswoman, she did um, have legislation, it's called BEST, Biliteracy Education Seal and Teaching Act. And she has vowed to, um, you know, uh, to work until that legislation is passed and that grant program um, helps establish or improve programs um, throughout the nation. So we think that's kind of a good thing to, to look for uh, once, you know, we, um, you know, get our government going here. So that would be yeah. great. 
Yeah. And I mean, as I mentioned earlier, and you, I think you used the word, I said that the, the tides are turning and you said there's a sea change. So, I mean, it, I, you know, it's a really positive to hear you talk about not only organizations that many people in our audience know a lot about, you mentioned the California Association for Bilingual Education, CABE, you know, the work that Californians Together are doing, but you're also mentioning um, people who are legislators. And one thing that I'm noticing as well, when I speak to people, this is a trend that seems to be continuing. People are often mentioning their State Department of Education. And I think people who have been I guess I'll speak for myself as someone who taught for a long time. That was not the place where I went to find information, but it seems to be changing. And that is um, something to be, to get really, I, I think, excited about as we move forward here. Right. And I I just want to mention that we're working, we're not going to be the first in the nation, but we are working on some type of post-secondary badge. Um, uh, So this would be a university seal of biliteracy. So at this time, we're um, looking to maybe have some legislation in that regard, but we do have some pilot programs and uh, looking to expand the seal. We'll stay tuned there, and hopefully that will be a follow-up um, Highest Aspirations episode. Um, but I really, uh, I just want to thank you so much for, for coming along and sort of educating us on this really important issue, the seal of biliteracy. And I think what you really did a wonderful job with, and I'm very appreciative, is breaking down um, how it is helping not only individual students, but uh, districts, families, teachers, really everyone involved and even talking about some of the challenges that, that we still need to overcome um, with, with equity. So you've been uh, very open and generous with your time, and we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on the program. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.